Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hi, I'm Robin Colucci, and welcome to the Author's Corner. Today, I have with me our guest, Lisa Pizik. Lisa is a business strategist, a number one international Amazon bestselling author, a worldwide speaker, and an RN who helps experts develop and promote their online businesses. She studied under the world's best, such as Brandon Bouchard, Bo Eason, and Roger Love, And audiences say Lisa has fiery inspiration, contagious energy, and to-the-point strategies. And frankly, I couldn't agree more. Lisa and her husband, Eric, and their team specialize in done-for-you services with branding, content creation, funnels, and websites with their agency, Infinite Design House. They also offer SEO help and uh, help with writing blogs, social media, and lead generation with their sales booster program. And today, Lisa and I are going to be talking about this intertwined relationship between becoming an author and developing and promoting and selling online courses. Because I think a couple of things are relevant here to pay attention to. One is that it's such an essential piece of really maximizing the profitability of your book. And secondly, there's a big question. There can be a lot of questions that I hear very often from people that I speak with who are thinking about writing a book around what comes first, the course of the book, and how do you know it's the right time to do either or both? And so Lisa and I are going to explore some of those questions. So I invite you to sit back, tune in, and enjoy. What I would really love to explore with you today is So you do online course development and launch. And I have been a cheerleader of, advocate for, practice, practitioner of utilizing book content Mm. in conjunction with building an online course. Uh And this is something that I think is a tremendously powerful leverage strategy. And so I would be super grateful if we could talk about course creation through this lens of really optimizing your experience and profitability as an author. Mm, Yeah, I love that because you always want to have that next step for people, right? That was one thing. I was an ICU nurse before I got into being an entrepreneur. And that was the one thing that my mentor like drilled into me was before you do anything, you got to know what the next step is. You got to know what to expect to see. You got to know what you want to happen. And then if that doesn't, you go, "Uh uh-oh, okay, why did that happen? Redirect. So I feel like a course is really a next step for that person who comes in, they read your book, they love the content. Where it gets a little wry is where everybody wants to take them a hundred steps ahead 
instead of that right next step. So with a course, it's very detail-oriented in that they come in looking like this, and by the end of their course, they look, feel, have, be, do this. A membership, you can flow and take them on a journey and month to month you're teaching them and a course has a very defined outcome. So sometimes people will say, well, great, I have seven concepts in my book. I'm just going to create a seven module course. Uh And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Now, is that too much dang information? Is that, could that be seven courses on their own? So I know very early in my career, I was like a fire hose. Like people were like, oh my God, I love your information, but like, give me a second to breathe. It's too much. You want me to lose weight, make money, have a killer relationship, have better sex. Like you want to fix all my problems, you know, in one. What, what, what book is that? Can <laughs> I go get that book? Um, <laughs> right. That's the, the DIY. Right? You know, and I want to pause here and insert some insight because I think that what you're saying is so important for authors to hear, right? Because if there's one tendency that authors have, it's to try to over deliver. Uh-huh. Right? And there's this feeling, there's this pressure, internal pressure, by the way, that if I'm going to offer it, I've got to give them everything. I've got to give them all my best. Yep. Yeah, you're saying something quite different. Yeah, it's like if you had this goal that you wanted to run a marathon and you go and you hire a running coach on the very first day, they're like, awesome, lace your shoes up and let's go out and run (laughs) 26.2. Oh my God, you're trying to kill me. Like, I can't go at that pace. So we forget, especially as if you're an author and you put out a book, you've mastered something you have a process, you've overcome something. You have to remember where you were. That person reading your book is not as evolved and transformed and as far along in their journey as you are. So you might be able to move at that pace, aka that running coach who's been running for 20 years can run 26.2, but you on your very first day are lucky to even make it around the block perhaps. And you, the goal of your course, maybe you need coaching on what shoes to buy. Never mind running at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's meeting people where they're at. And then, yeah, maybe that first time is just letting them know what gear they need and what their planning is going to look like. And that small win makes them go, okay, I like him or her. I'm getting somewhere, give me more, as opposed to, oh my God, this is just not manageable. This is not doable. I don't understand. It's too much content. How can they expect me to do that? And that's where you got to meet people where they're at and go slow with the course. I love what you're saying because what I'm automatically hearing and what you're saying is, ah, so we have the book and we have the upsell to course number one. Uh Uh-huh. But this is sounding more like one of those long, drawn-out meals where the staff comes over five or six hours and gives you many courses. You know, the thirty course. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> what do you love? Feast. What do you love about that? 
my husband and I, we go on our anniversary to this place and it costs us like $300. We would never spend that kind of money, like on a regular, you know, date night, but that's exactly it. It's the chef special and we get a seat at the chef's table and we have no idea what they're like serving us. Well, we know it's going to be delicious. It's going to be paired with wine and it's a slow experience that we can enjoy instead of get in pick your food, eat as fast as you can and get the heck out so we can fill your table. Right. Like the, uh, I won't use any names of those bigger franchise buffet restaurants where it's just like heap as much on your plate as you can and wolf down as much and then get out of here. Right. Right. And that's a good analogy because what we're talking about is using the fine dining approach to course creation. You got it. And I'd like, because I also want something I'm sniffing out here as I'm listening to you is the idea of the upsell, right? So buying a book is a $20 commitment-ish. And so that's a great entry point to create a relationship. And, you know, for those of you writing books to grow your business, this is, this might be the most important hour of your life this year, (laughs) right? So listen up Uh, (laughs) because, so you have that book, building that foundational relationship, building that intimacy with the reader. Then you have this next step of, a appetizer course, you know, not trying to give them the entire meal in one course. And so how do you look at this, Lisa, in terms of course creation? And do you look at it as like a graded stairway up the ladder of upsell? Or do you look at it more as a level field where you're just giving them incrementally getting them farther down the road? Or do you look at it as both? I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. That's an awesome question because it really does depend on you and your business and your expertise and what you're able to do. And it's really about you and how much you have to give as that author. But I always think there's, you know, three buckets of people. There's always somebody who's going to want like, I don't want to say the lowest of the low, but like, they're just not sure. They want to get in. They want to see, that's like the book, right? That's like a $20, no brainer. I'll buy it. If I don't like it, I'll pass it on to someone else. If I love it, I'll see what else you got. Then there's always that middle range people who want to go deeper. And chances are, if you put out a great book and somebody finishes it, they're your best course students because they right. put in the time to actually start and finish it. So you've already warmed them up that they're with you. They'll go with you where you want them to go. So then there's always that middle range, which can be a course, a group coaching program, an event, a virtual event, a live event, back when we can do that. Right. And then like, who knows when that's going to come around again, hopefully sooner than later, because God, I miss people in person. Okay, I'm, I'm um, <laughs> And you always have those people that don't want to be with the masses. They want that one-to-one experience. They want high ticket. There are just some people when you're like, what shoe store do you want to go to? Some people will say, I want pay, well, not to name names, but again, some people will be like, I want, you know, this very common place and other people are like I want the place on Rodeo Drive right right? Rodeo Drive to get my shoes I'm going to the local you know whatever mom and pa shop here to get my shoes and you're always going to have those kinds of people so well and I think the distinction too is also about like the level of service right so there's it's fine with me if I go try it on in the aisle yeah (laughs) you know with all the everybody else who's clamoring in the aisle But other people are looking for that experience where they're going to sit down and someone's going to bring them a bunch of selections and they're going to have that opportunity. 
to choose from there. And they're going to have somebody who's an expert advising them on the fit, advising them on the look and everything else. Yeah. And it also depends on, I think, a really important piece that we forget in business because the messaging is always serve your audience. It's all about service. It's all about being there for them. It's all about providing solutions. That is very true. But it's also about you Mm. in your business. Some people don't want to do one-to-one. They don't want to give that much time to people. Some people don't want to run group coaching programs. And I remember I had an opportunity very early in my speaking career to get into the circuit and be on some of the biggest stages and was this amazing opportunity. And my son was two years old at the time. And at first I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to get on the circuit and I'm going to be here and I'm going to be there. And I'm going to, you know, the glitz and the glamour was like, ding, 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 amazing. And then I thought, oh my God, every weekend I'm going to be in a hotel room and I'm going to be living in and out of airports and I'm going to be in different cities. When am I going to see my family? When am I going to see my little boy? I don't want to miss putting him to bed at night and reading him stories. And I don't want to get a phone call that he said this word or did this funny thing. And I wasn't there. Yeah. So So I thought that's a great opportunity, but it's not the right opportunity for me right now. So I think don't forget that you are just as important in your business before you go and create all these offerings and courses and events and all these things Is that what makes sense for how you want to live your life? I love that you're saying this because one of the very first, actually the very first exercise I have my clients do is to make sure that their book concept is aligned with them. Yeah. Is it aligned with how you want to be known? Is it aligned with the activities that you want to be doing to promote your book? And this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like your story is the best illustration I've ever heard Mm. of this point, because what so many authors do, and I would imagine probably course creators as well, is they just get so into sharing the information. They don't think about the mechanics. They don't think about how am I actually going to use this content? In what context am I presenting it? And is it an automated click and buy, plug and play, and you never see me again? (laughs) Or is it a high touch introduction that's set up as an upsell to six-figure programs, six-figure private programs? Because everything, it will color every aspect of your book content. It will color every example you use because you don't want to use a bunch of examples of you doing things with people you don't want to do anymore. (laughs) Exactly. There's there's nothing worse than like building it and getting to the top of the mountain and realizing you're on the wrong mountain. You're like, my God, this is not where I wanted to be. Right. You have all these people super excited to hire you privately. And then you're like, I don't do private coaching anymore. (laughs) It's like, you know, people say like, put that in the book and put this. And I always say, ah, life can change like this, mm-hmm. that you just be careful if you're putting that book me for private coaching, da, 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 like right in the yeah. book because something might happen and you don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And you definitely don't want to say that in the book, right? You never uh-huh. want to be that direct in your sales with the book. But if you use a lot of examples of people that you've coached privately and you don't want to do that anymore, 
you know, maybe you need to build the course before you write the book. <laughs> totally. Right? So that you can use examples of people who took your course as ways to illustrate that your methods work versus your private clients mm-hmm. as an example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of people love the bundle too. Like I've seen a lot of people, mm. they don't even offer the book as a one-off. They have it as like a $300 or $200 package or $500, whatever you price it at, depending on, well, we can get into that if you wanted to, how you price things. But depending on what you price it, they don't even have that option necessarily to just buy the one-off book. You want them to go deeper with you and you sell it as a bundle. And that's a way to get students to give them more value and really get them in there and get them reading that book and doing your courses when you have it as a bundle. Yeah, that's a great idea. Do you have any preference when you're working with people, when you're working with authors, do you tend to recommend that they build the course first or the book first or the two in tandem? Or what do you see? Do you see a general trend of what seems to be the most efficient or is is it just kind of vary? It does vary. I see a lot of people who they write the book. They have fantastic content. They work with someone like yourself who's absolutely fantastic. So the book is a huge success and they go, holy crap. I had no idea that the book was going to take off like this. Now I, people want more of me and I need to create something. So a lot of times the book comes first and the course comes second, Mm -hmm. or I find they have an idea they want to share. They're not that clear yet in what should be in the book. So creating the course actually gets them clearer on what their actual message is, their deliverable is, how they serve the world, who they are, what personal stories made them have these kinds of insights and lessons and experiences. So the course lays a beautiful foundation to now write a book. So I would say it's probably a really personal, individualized experience, person to person. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I'm going to throw in one more about how I wrote my book. Ah. Because I knew I had to write a book for a while. And then I like, especially, you know, the book coach who hasn't written a book is problematic. Um, (laughs) So I finally started working on it like back in 2012. And I realized that just like any busy entrepreneur with, you know, a lot of clients and whatever, you have to carve out that time. And I know I've helped my clients through that, <laughs> but I, here I was having trouble getting myself to write it. So guess what I did? I created a course ah. and I had to deliver a module every week. <laughs> right. And so I sat down, wrote the chapter, taught the module off the chapter. Yeah. I was teaching it live. Yeah. And I finished writing my book from that point, like four or five months. And I made $56,000 in selling course admissions and upsells after the course to private programs. Yes, that's it. I think the biggest thing there is you took action and you started. Mm -hmm. Again, don't get too hung up on what, it's like the chicken or the egg. What do I do first? The book or the course, the course or the book, do something, start with one and it will morph into what it's meant to morph into. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. So you had started to say something that I got excited about. And now, of course, I've, I wanted to ask you about it. I hope to God I can remember it. You know what? I might have to let it go and just hope it comes back and ask you something else. <laughs> I 
it wasn't the pricing, was it? Yes. Oh. Let's talk about price. Thank you. You're God bless you. <laughs> How do you look at pricing? Because I know this is actually a question that I get quite a lot from my clients who are considering putting courses together. And my impression is people tend to underestimate what they should charge. But I'd like to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah. Oh, yes. So the first thing I will share, I have two things to share on this. The first thing is so many times we say, okay, it's a six-week course. So I'm going to charge them on what I think six weeks worth of value is. No, no, no. I can remember when Roger Love, who I was able to study with, he's the number one voice coach in the world. So he's helped like Bradley Cooper on A Star is Born and Joaquin Phoenix on Walk the Line. I was able to work one-to-one with him, which was so amazing out in Hollywood. And it was like just this crazy experience. And I'm I- sorry, just once. So you're a singer? I am learning. Yes. So I was with him for speaking because oh, my, my problem is I sound too young sometimes because I'm so dang excited and like that's just a lot of times so he said that's not good in selling because when you sound young people think that they can cut your prices like you're not worth as much so I had to work a lot now this year I didn't didn't mean to diverge you but you know I'm a singer also so we'll talk about that another time yeah I am taking voice and piano lessons this year oh nice okay all right more for me but that's uh, a pricing And he would, I know, right? We could totally pigeonhole. You and I, Lisa and I could go on many, many tangents. We're oh my gosh. I'm going to try to stay focused. <laughs> he said when he would work with recording artists and they would come in the studio and he would say, how long did it take you to put this album together? And they would say, oh, you know, about a year. And he would say, and how old are you? And they'd say, oh, you know, I'm 26 or I'm 30 or I'm 35. And he would say, oh, no, no, no. So it took you 35 years. That's right to bring this CD or this music, this record into existence. Courses are the same. It's not the six weeks. It's the decades for most people of studying, of life experience, even past jobs. Even if you're not doing what you currently do, you still take pieces of it from the roles and jobs and experiences and things you've had in the past. That's what makes you you, and that's what makes you unique. Now, can you price it on that? Probably not, because again, everyone would say, well, I am priceless, right? My experience is priceless. (laughs) So I then go into what I call the 3D approach. The The first D is the duration. So you do look at how long. So yes, something that's three modules and you can complete in a weekend you're going to price it a little bit cheaper than something that is six weeks, eight weeks, a little bit more intensive, so the duration. The second is the degree of implementation. So the more that you have people do, the more you can charge for it. Meaning, is it PowerPoint and you're just kind of theory telling them stuff and they got to master it on their own? You're just presenting the concepts or are you direct to camera? teaching them something and then they've got worksheets or something that they have to now journal entries or things they got to fill out the more you have them do to make it stick the more you can charge the more bravery and courage you have to get direct to camera look somebody in the eyeball and speak to them 
the more you can charge because there's a higher connection. So duration, depth of implementation. I always create a course with direct-to-camera video and then some sort of worksheet, something they have to do to make it stick, some sort of implementation action. And then lastly is the desire, meaning how is their life going to change from this course? Mm-hmm. All those things we said in the beginning, if someone has been not making any money in their business and about to close down their business and lose their home and whatever it is, and now they're going to become profitable, you've taught them how to be better at selling, or you've taught them how to dial in on what their secret sauce is. That's worth so much to someone. Someone's marriage is failing and they think they have to divorce their spouse and your course tells them how to communicate better and it saves their marriage and then makes them a better mom or dad to their kids, that's worth a lot. Mm -hmm. So the desire, that's always the one people get stuck with, but I really challenge people on how really, get really real with yourself on how deep you're going and how committed you are to getting the person that outcome. And that always goes back to how good is your content? Are you slapping it together and getting it out? Mm-hmm. Or are you really intentional about the way you're teaching and the stories you're telling and the way you're showing up to really get that person to dig in and do what you're asking them to do so they get that result? So when that desire is there, it's like when there are no other options and their butt is their business is on the line, their butt is on the line, and your course is the solution, you can charge a lot more for that. The things I don't want you competing on our price. Oh, well, this person priced it at $400. So I'm going to price it at 350 because there's always someone who will price it at 250 and 200 and 100 and free. Right. Never compete on price. Never compete on deliverables because someone's always willing. I'll throw in this bonus course and I'll throw in this book and I'll get my buddy to give you a free session on this. And someone will always, you know, give more. And timeline, someone's always willing to do it quicker. That's a lot for service-based stuff if you're selling. But I never want you competing on those because you'll always lose and you won't get quality people. Oh, you know, content. let me tell you, that is gold right there, what you just shared. Because this is so vital. And I think especially for authors, because if you're an author, you're claiming a certain level of expertise. You're claiming You know, I am above the fray. I'm not the snake oil salesperson. I'm not the shill. I'm not the person who's just ripping off everyone else's content and putting up courses and and taking your money and I don't give a crap about your results. I am actually someone who's credible authority. And when you are approaching it that way, you really can charge just whatever you want in some ways, if you're willing to have enough conversation. Uh, But- One of the terms I've heard around the internet marketing world is massive transformational value. And so what you're talking about is like what that's what you're actually selling is the transformation. You're not selling the course. You're not selling the modules. You're not selling the videos or the handouts. You're selling the transformation. And when you're thinking about pricing, you've got to be factoring in what's it worth to the person if they get if and when they get the transformation. Oh, yes. And my formula 
is then I charge one tenth of what I think that's worth, you know, like as <laughs> so because I want them to get 10 times the value that they paid. And yeah. so when I'm thinking about my pricing for my private programs, like that's how I'm looking at it. Like, okay, so I know they're going to get at least, I take like the minimum outcome I think they're going to get. Yes. Like, and I don't do it like person by person, you know, but just as a general yeah. rule. And then I divide that by 10 and that's really where my rates are going to be. Yeah. You know, Cause I think then I know I'm delivering that value. So I think it's also part of understanding as someone who's offering content and offering courses and providing value that, like you said, from the beginning, you do have to account for yourself and what went into your ability to create that course, to write that book and understand that the value that you're creating for someone is worth money. Yes. And even if it's an intangible value, like how do you put a price tag on your marriage or your relationship with your children? Right. But it's still like, they will be able to see if you communicate well in your marketing, what it's costing them not to have that result. And then at that point, your price point is going to seem very reasonable. Yeah. I had a mentor say to me, it's not the ROI. It's not the return on investment. It's the COI, the cost of inaction. Ooh, I love that. Right? That really is the biggest. It's not like, what are you going to get when you do this? It's what are you not going to have? What pain are you going to continue to be in? What is that cost of inaction going to be in your life or your business or whatever it is? And I love that you're saying that because that emotional that we talked about, another mentor of mine said, and what always stuck with me too, Brendan Richard said, you can't push somebody off a fence with information. You nudge them off with emotion, meaning they don't give a crap about it's seven modules and you get these worksheets and that's exactly it. It's emotion. Why do we love Super Bowl commercials? Why do we love good movies, right? Why do we love those books that grab us around a story? We move people. Why do we love music? Why do we sing? Why do we play instruments? Because we feel something, we're moved emotionally. And that is the same thing in your marketing. We are in the transformation economy. We used to be in the brand economy where it was like, oh, I love Nike. I mean, we still are a little bit. People love, you know, the big debate between PCs or Apple, or, you know. <laughs> so that used to be in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s, you know, the Air Jordan shoes. And we used to be in the brand economy. Then we got into the experience economy, meaning that this is what this is going to look like. This is what this is going to feel like. Go on this cruise ship, you know, buy your house like this. And now we've shifted, especially in 2020, we've shifted into the transformation economy. What is this going to do for my life? What is this going to do for the people around me? What is this going to do for my legacy? And what I'm doing in my life, does it even effing matter? Like we've really shifted into a transformation economy and those that can help people transform will those businesses and personal brands and authors and all of that are the ones that people are going to be giving their money to and investing with. Wow. This is like news. I love this. I haven't heard this about this is the transformation economy. I'm so excited for all the coaches and consultants who are listening to this because this is exactly because those are the people who need to be writing books and creating courses. 
you know, are people who are advising others and helping them be high performers. Yeah, that's like my big bugaboo. It was kind of funny when you were on my podcast, you were like, here's all of Robin's like bugaboos. And I'm like, yeah, what's your, give me that. One of my bugaboos is probably because I came from the speaker's world as well, is the whole TED Talk thing. TED was, this seems to be the coveted, you know, you get a TED Talk and you've like made it in the speaking world. And it really has, in some parts, become a who you know and a pay-to-play scenario. It has nothing to do with the quality of your content. Some, some is still integral and wonderful. Ted, please don't, you know, murder me for saying this on a podcast, but it is the way it is. And then secondly, not everyone's idea is worth sharing. (laughs) That is what Ted was birthed from. Ideas worth sharing. It's like you said, where I'm like that bugaboo of everyone's like, everybody has a story and everybody should write a book. (laughs) It's the same with Ted. Not everybody should be gracing that Ted state. It's become so bland instead of really like, wow, that is a phenomenal story. That is a innovative, exciting idea. That is a groundbreaking new age. Let's get behind this, you know, kind of thing. And I'll tell you the other misconception, maybe this happens with books too, is people say, I'm going to get on that TED stage and then my business is going to blow up. (laughs) I know so many people who have been on a TED or a TEDx stage and it has not made one ounce of difference in their impact, in their income, in their reach, in their growth. It's not a one shot. I made it here. It's really a prolific pattern. It's the compounding effect. Mm -hmm. Yes, the book or the TED could be that domino that made it all, you know, topple or that, I shouldn't say, maybe that sounds bad if it topples over, that rocket ship. That chain really, reaction to. Right, that like, chain reaction or that rocket ship that really made the thing take off. But the runway was long. Yeah. The runway yeah. was long. And, you know, it's interesting because I never thought of it this way before. Like, I, and by the way, you're not the first person <laughs> okay. I've, I've heard talk about the sort of lowered status of standing of Ted in people's listening, which is unfortunate because I think it was such a brilliant idea. And, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, you know, I think one of the issues is TEDx because it's become so ubiquitous and, you know, it doesn't seem like the bar is super high for like who can run one. A lot of times it's inconsistent in the branding, even though it's not supposed to be. I've seen, you know, TEDx videos on all different kinds of stages, including not stages, like just at the front of the room with a screen behind them and no red dot, you know? I mean, so they've lost some of their branding. And as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking it's kind of like self-publishing, which is there are great talks on TEDx stages. Yes. And there are great self-published books. Yes. And there is a lot of crap <laughs> out there, which unfortunately dilutes yes. the prestige and the impression of TEDx as a whole or self-publishing as a whole because there's not the same bar yes. of who gets that stage. Believe me, if you're on a TED stage, you probably still do have an idea worth yes. sharing. Amen. There's a much more stringent vetting that goes on. 
Mm-hmm. One thing I've heard though, is a lot of people say when they get on those stages and it makes me think of books too, is there's a lot of, you can say this, but you can't say this. You can go there, but you can't go there. So for me, just personally, I've never wanted, I could care less about being a TED or TEDx. I know there's other ways I can make impact. If that were ever to come my way, I could consider it. But I don't ever want to be somewhere where they're like, oh, you can say that, but you can't say that. Oh, you got to water that down a little bit. Oh, that's not going to go over well. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be, you know, rude or, you know, confrontational. I get that. But I really feel like if you have an idea worth sharing, share it. It, it, Share it, right? And you don't need the TED stage to do that. And if you have a book... And you can speak more to this, but I've always thought of it as really work with an editor that understands your voice. Because there's nothing worse than someone saying, okay, we're going to completely rewrite it this way. And then you get your book and you go, that doesn't sound at all like me. That's a disconnect from who I am as a person, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I also think, though, with books and probably with course creation as well, speaking, that I think one of the great opportunities of preparing a book, preparing a talk, preparing a course, yes. is that you get the opportunity to understand your own work better. Yeah. Uh, you get the opportunity to organize your thoughts, see more of the connections between your ideas, and to take a deeper cut into what is actually behind a particular idea that you're teaching, and have, just have a deeper understanding of your work overall. And this is, I think where no matter how much you make selling your book or your course, that for the content creator, you will earn more across the board through that greater understanding mm-hmm. and you'll be a better authority. Amen. And when you are in your authentic voice and your authentic power, you can see it. A lot of times it's like, have you ever had that with someone where you're like, they're not really a bad person, but I just, there's just something about them. I just, I don't know. Right. Like you're going to go buy something. And then like the sales associate comes and talks to you and you're like, I know. And you can't put your finger on it. Like they didn't do anything crazy or anything, you know, rude or abrasive or in a big red flag, but you're like, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's usually when someone is trying to say it like someone else has said it, present it like someone else is presenting it. They're not in their own authentic yep. power. Or they're not speaking from their own experience or speaking from what they've read someone else say. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah. I want to take a leap here because Ooh. as we're talking, I'm thinking of, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges, I know this is true for authors. And since we're talking about authors who are doing content creation and course creation. Yes. You know, I've seen this over and over. I've done this myself, right? Great at creating content, outstanding content, excellent content that remains the best kept secret Ah. Um, because there's the launch and the promotion, the marketing of it. And I'd love to have, you know, before we run out of time today, speak to us a little bit about that because I think that for so many of our listeners, (laughs) because, you know, If you're a writer, you're probably introverted. And even if you're not a writer, you know, not everybody feels at home in the marketing space. Yeah. So 
talk a little bit about this piece, because really, no matter how great your course is, yep. if no one knows about it, it's not going to transform anything. Yeah. I always think of your course and probably your book. It's like your baby if you have kids. I don't know what I had on my phone before I had a child and pets and all of that, but it's like if you scroll through my pictures, every single photo is either my husband, my cats, or my kid. <laughs> like it comes up in conversation. It is my life. And well, A, you brought this up actually on my podcast, which is if you don't love it and you don't want to talk about it, like you said, if you're not proud of your book, that really stuck home with me when you said, if you're not proud of your book, you got to figure out what you want to do with that, right? It's the same with your course. If you're not, I'm not saying it has to be perfect because nothing is ever perfect. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. Even a course, that's why you see version two, version three, version four, Nothing is a written off, done, signed, sealed, delivered, but you have to love it and you have to believe in it. You, so many times we want the validation and the approval. Is this good? Is anybody even going to like this? That's a sign that you don't like it and you don't think it's good. Well, so or, or you're just a perfectionist and terrified because I know a big stop for people is like, well, I'd love to create a course, but I have no idea yeah. how I'm going to get people excited about it. And I know this is like a whole, like, we yeah. have to have at least a part. I to think of a quick, so yeah. It, I'd love to, oh, like, I got you know, it. To tell people, yeah. Yeah, I got it. Bring people along in the journey. Mm. So many times we want to tell people when it's launched, hey, I have this course that's available, buy it. We get behind, when we feel like we have this backseat, pulling back the curtain kind of view. Like I have my clients, if they choose to do hair, like some clients choose hair and makeup and in the studio, I'm like, take a video of that. Like, Hey guys, here I am. I'm shooting a module on, you know, X, Y, and Z today. I'm in the studio. Here's my videographer, Jane, say hi. Here's my lovely makeup artist that did this. Take people and show them what you're doing. I want to go reshoot my course now. <laughs> you don't have to. The majority of our clients, um, That's a great they, idea. they don't do hair and makeup, but it's like, take people along. You hit a bump in the road, take people along. You know, I thought this was going to go so seamless and I was going to get in, get out and shoot this video. And I got a phone call of X, Y, and Z and I got bad news, but guess what? I had to get my butt in the studio to film this content. Here's how I changed my mindset. Here's how I, it's an opportunity to teach because we know education-based marketing, when you teach, again, you solve problems, people come with you. But someone then feels like, could you imagine if they put out a behind the scenes of like a big movie and right. you got to see little bits and pieces of this movie being made? Like a teaser almost? What would happen when that movie comes out? You're like, oh my God, I want to see how this thing played out. Yeah. I want to see how this came together. Right. That's why they do the preview and the trailer. The yeah. Same. And you know what I love too. And what you're saying, which is so brilliant is you get to show people who you're being in your transformation. Yes. Right? And there's nothing more credible than you letting people see you're struggling with a step yeah. in your transformation and how you handle it. That's a hundred percent accurate. That's exactly it. You're taking them through every, the good, the bad, the ugly, the real, 
that builds trust. And mm-hmm. when people trust, they buy. That builds community and momentum. They've seen it all the way here. Now we get to the finish line. Of course I want that thing because you've let me in on the insider path the whole way along. You know, you're reminding me of a woman that I worked with very briefly. I will cop to the fact I don't feel like I did very much for her at all, (laughs) but we had a couple of very productive conversations and her name is Susan Dennard. And when I first spoke with her, she was seeking a book deal, an agent and wanted to sell her first novel. Mm. And I went to her website. So this is great. I know we're mostly talking nonfiction here, but I love this story because I went to her website and I noticed something on her blog. And I was reading some of her blog posts and I realized she was only blogging about two things. Mm. And she was blogging reviews of new books in her genre. Mm-hmm. And she was blogging about her process. Uh, yep. Yep. And I was like, this is genius. Yep. It's genius in two ways. And you can take this, by the way, listeners, for nonfiction. It was genius in two ways. One is she was helping Google help people who like her genre. Yep. Paranormal young adult fiction. People who like her genre would now find her website along with Publishers Weekly and Kirkus and whoever else was reviewing the book because Google is the great (laughs) democratizer in this way. Yeah. So her reviews would come up and she could attract people who like her genre which is very difficult to figure out with fiction. But again, you could use this for a business book. You could use this for a relationship book. People are still looking for those books. So brilliant. And sharing her process did what you're saying, brought people in and created this base of an audience who was eagerly anticipating her first novel, Something Strange and Deadly, which was published by Harper Teen mm. as part of her three book deal. Yeah. Her very first, by the way, I told her, I said, you're ready. Send your stuff to agents. She sent it to four. She got all four agents. She sent it to wanted to represent her. She picked one and she got a three book deal. Harper Teen and became a New York times bestselling novelist. Hey. So hello, but I got to tell you what, and I was like, are you doing anything? No, I just do this, but I do it consistently. Yes, that's huge because people say, you know, I don't know what to do first and I can do all these things. And how do I have time? Very dialed in process. Mm -hmm. And I've seen like firsthand the evidence what you're talking being accurate because she shared about her process, good writing days, bad writing days, time she felt discouraged, time she was excited and people were ready and excited and waiting for her book. It makes you human. That is the human experience that we all go through. And we want to do business with people who are human. We don't want to do business with magical unicorns that seem untouchable. We want to, and like you said, if you have a book and someone buys that book and they put it on their bookshelf or it's in their home, it's in the bedroom with them. That's right. That is such a personal human experience. So let people see you. Mm-hmm. Take people along in that process. That always, always wins one way or another. Even if it's not buying the book or buying the course, 
they refer someone to you, they keep downloading and digesting everything you put out. And maybe they're one of those people that want that big high end thing. If you're going to pitch it and you pitch some $30,000 mastermind and they're like, I'm in. Cause that video, when you were saying that you had the worst day ever and you thought you were going to pack it in, but you still finish the book. I knew how committed you were to helping me with my dreams. So I want to go all the way with you. <laughs> what else is there to say after that? I mean, that is exactly it. I mean, and letting people see you, letting people see your flaws. You know, I just said to a client yesterday, I said, uh, <laughs> I said, you know, an author isn't the perfect being savior. I said, that's someone else. (laughs) And you don't have to hit that bar. You know, you just need to be your best and show them that part of being your best is just being authentic with the struggles and the challenges that you faced, that you continue to face, that you are a work in progress. And no, there's no expectation. As a matter of fact, it's very annoying to read a book by or listen to a course by someone who thinks they've got it all figured out. Yeah, because the first thing we do is called BS. Our brain instantly wants to go to, nope, I'm going to find every, it's like with your kid when you're like, go brush your teeth and they don't want to, they'll find every reason why they don't got to go brush their teeth. They will take it like a jury to the stand. Like it's the same when someone is so perfect, your brain wants to find the reason why they're not. And that's wasted energy. Whether you're just vulnerable and real, they love you right away because there's no barrier. There's no wall. They're right in there with you. Yeah. Yeah. And you're showing them that you're not perfect and you got the result. Exactly. They can too. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, what a a good question. Hmm. Lisa, this has been such a pleasure. I always love talking to you and thank you so much for joining us on the Author's Corner today. Hey, thank you. It was such an honor to be here. I could talk to you forever. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.